The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. You little turds are going to have to learn you can't run from the ice cream man! Welcome to Subversive Cinema. These films risk causing harm! They should be burned! I'd like to do any of these two guys at the same time. What? Hell yeah! I don't owe you any book. No more books! Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. It's your host, Art, your wrangler of the weird, purveyor of the peculiar, and Sherpa to the strange. And we are back for another fun episode of Subversive Cinema. And we are continuing our season-long special deep-dive investigation into the magical, mystical works of none other than Neil Breen. And to do so, I have friend of the show and resident Specialist in Breenism, Richard, back for more punishment and pleasure. Richard, how are you? It's a magical day, Art. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it is a magical day, and we are here to talk about Breen's, I guess, centerpiece of his of his ouvoir, <laughs> Fateful Findings from 2013. I personally think, and you may agree, you may disagree, I feel that this is full tilt Breen, Firing on all cylinders. It is so unbelievably sublime in its strangeness. I think that this is the purest boiled down essence that is Neil Breen. Yeah, I mean, this movie and uh, I am here now for me are 1A and 1B, but it is so hard to choose between them. But uh, this one is just as insane as the last one, possibly more so. Right. And we will get into that. So we're here to look at the subversive sauce of a movie. What gives it that special sweet tang that makes us keep coming back for more. And to figure that out, we look at the characters, the story, and the what the fuck factor. So let's get into Fateful Findings. It is a story about young love, magical days, addictions, and no more books. Damn it. Yeah. It's, um... (laughs) It was written, directed, produced, edited, accounted, craft service, makeup effects by, uh, location managed, production designed, sound edited, light designed, wardrobe designed, set decked, all by Neil Breen. That's right. He keeps adding more and more to his resume. And I wonder if that is simply because less people you know, feel comfortable working or less people are at the level in which he, he requires for his movies to get their pristineness. Or, you know, it's like, maybe he's just like, you know, the only way I could get this vision is myself. Well, you know, this, that's interesting because the cast of this movie uh, is probably one of his deeper casts uh, in terms of uh, roles where there's actually some sort of meat on the bones for other actors than Neil. Um He's got a little bit of an ensemble going with Fateful Findings. He does. It's actually not 100% Breen, which is actually rather impressive. You know, you look at Double Down, which we'll get to next, where it is Breen all the time. I Am Here Now is so much Breen. And then here we are treated to, uh, you know, a fairly decent smattering between Breen as Dylan, this enigmatic writer who's also an ex-hacker, but we don't find that out really until like halfway through the movie because why the fuck not he's uh got this girlfriend wife not quite sure what their relationship is i wasn't i I missed that i feel like it's wife um but like you say it's very uh murky and he 
tosses her aside so fast as we'll probably get into later. Oh yes, we will. We will definitely get into that. So he's got this wife, Emily, played by Clara Landrat, and then there is his best friend Jim, played by David Silva. His wife, Amy, played by Victoria. Viverios, though she went by a different name in this film. I guess she must have gotten married in the interim. And then there is the love of his life that he has loved ever since he was eight or nine years old, depending on the scene. It changes. <laughs> Leah, played by Jennifer Autry. Every there's so much going on here, and I I don't even know where to start. So, you know, we'll get to the story, I guess, eventually. Look, all I could say is you usually break this down. I don't know how other than to say we open on young love flourishing the woods over a magical discovery, uh, which is punctuated by such delightful dialogue as this. Look what I found, a treasure. It's a magical day. It sure is. And they make a <laughs> vow to to be together forever. And then they she promptly moves away and he never sees her again. And then you smash cut too forward in time where... Neil Breen has aged terribly and she has aged fine and they're <laughs> apparently the same age. He's already got another wife and his everyday life is thrown astray when he gets hit by a car. She ends up being a doctor in the hospital. There's a weird fart ghost that floats around. He's seeing two different psychoanalysts. I don't fucking understand. He's hacking government conspiracies. And then there's just a big bloodbath at the end where all the corrupt politicians pulled Bud Dwyers on themselves on live TV. And it's crazy. So uh, let's get into the characters, Rick. <laughs> so who stood out to you and why? Oh, man. I mean, we got to start with the man himself. Uh, of course. Neil Breen. Uh, he is, um, well, I don't really know how to describe his character in this one. He's a novelist who doesn't want to write any more books. Uh, he's suddenly, I believe, through the power of the cube that he finds. This is the cube that the uh, two children find at the beginning of the movie. That's very important, uh, this item. It uh, allows him to go into a black uh, room. Oh, the trash bag room, yes. Yes, the trash bag room. His, uh, this is Neil Breen's uh, version of uh, a David Lynch uh, scene, I believe. I think he's kind of going for a Twin Peaks vibe. With it this. did have a Lynchian feel at certain times, right? Yeah, definitely. And uh, so he has this cube, and it gives him the power not only to uh, heal his uh, wounds very fast, like, uh, like the Wolverine, He's also able to uh, hack uh, secret uh, uh, international government and corporate secrets. Ah, uh, I mean, maybe like this? There is another girl. No, that is not true. <laughs> I have not been writing another novel. I've been hacking into government and corporate international secrets all over the world. And I'm going to expose them all. And no one knows I'm doing it. No one knows. What? <laughs> what? Oh my God. I don't know if the brilliance is in the acting timing or the editing timing or both. <laughs> I don't think he's extending that timing. That was that seems to me like the way it was. Oh, it's it's certainly done in real time. Yeah, it's like there. <laughs> I think maybe they just dumped the footage in and called it a day. Do you think Neil can't remember his own lines? I saw him keep looking off to the side. Now I didn't know if that was for dramatic, uh, you know, effect or 
He's literally looking at cue cards. But the same sort of thing happens during a very, very emotional scene uh, partway through with one of my favorite characters. I can't believe you committed suicide. I cannot believe you committed suicide. How could you have done this? How could you have committed suicide? I can't help you out of this one, Jim. With all we've been through, I can't pull you out of this one. Yeah. Because that's what I would say when I'm holding my friend's bloody head in my lap. Anyway, sorry, I got away from that one. Yes, uh, the man himself, Neil, as Dylan. Dylan is certainly a very memorable character. That is correct. <laughs> so I have to say, I just sort of led into this, that his friend, Jim, is one of my memorable characters. Because his life just spirals out of control because his wife won't have sex with him. So he instantly turns to the bottle, and when he drinks he develops some sort of central nervous system issue where all of his limbs just go floundering about from <laughs> knocking over a beer bottle at the table and then coyly saying, go harsh, I must have goofed that one up. Could I have more wine, please? To literally doing some sort of some sort of jitterbug dance at a barbecue where he's knocking plates of hot dogs off a table <laughs> because he had one too many Bud Lights. So many ruined hot dogs and corn on the cob. It is uh, it is hilarious. He's doing, I don't know if that's like a uh, throwback to some sort of um, silent movie era uh, slapstick comedy or if it's just uh, the direction that Neil gave him to just be completely in control of nothing of his body. He's just all over the place. Oh, it is. And the best part is the framing of the scene is so terrible. It's literally like pecks down so you just are looking down at a very unflattering angle as all this rigmarole happens and stay there and then everything's fine because they're all around the, the pool sitting in a, in a crescent moon formation drinking again and having fun talking about what's going on at this barbecue. So at least everybody's quick to forgive and forget. But yes, Jim, wonderful dad of the year. <laughs> he uh, treats his daughter like shit, and then he gets killed by his wife. It's a, it's a very sad, tragic thing, you know? So uh, that's a that's a deep layer there. That's something. What uh, what else? Get you there, Richard. Now that we've uh, brought her up, we should talk about the daughter. Ah, uh, yes, the daughter. <laughs> like, he tried to shoehorn in a bit of Lolita here. <laughs> A Where little first... bit. It, it's a, it's, it's placed in there with the uh, nuance of, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, a dead rat being slammed on a table. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just, it makes no sense in the scheme of the movie. But here it is. <laughs> yep, she is in his pool, and she is skinny dipping, or no, she's taking her top off to go swimming. So instantly, he rubs his face in disbelief, and you know, she just cannot control herself you know she just has to have some of that dylan hog so then she comes inside to have a bubble bath and then we are treated to neil breen doing one of the best reactions he could have ever done the big wide-eyed like oh, she dropped a towel in front of me and then he tries to cover his eyes gets her dressed and then he gives her this pep talk please stop you can't do this please don't do it anymore
Are you going to stop? You can't do this anymore. <laughs> that was real time. And my favorite part between these long stretches of silence, she slowly turns and almost looks directly into the lens as if saying, help me. Or she's doing one of those sort of curb your enthusiasm like, ah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's, it's so yeah, strange. I, this uh, this movie's got a pretty long runtime for a Neil Breen. I think it is the longest, full two hours. It yeah, it's 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 like it's nearly there, and it's by and large almost fifteen minutes longer than most of his other ones. Almost twenty minutes longer than some. This is, and we should mention there there is no stock footage in this one. Unlike I am here now, which is loaded with it to make time i think there's only one or two shots of it and it i think it's when he's panning or when you're seeing like the the in the very very yeah, beginning yeah. there's a few when you're looking at like shots. the mountain ranges of i don't know it looks like the rainforest or something i'm not sure where that is like you know it looks like something out of cannibal holocaust that initial pan over right but for the most part but I no other than that this movie is he's shot yeah he shot it all which i'm very curious as to where this wooded area is because uh, that must be somewhere else in Nevada that I've never been to, because it almost looks like they went to Arizona or something for some of that. But it could been. yeah, everything else is all there. Man, I have to next call out one of the world's most unhelpful doctors, who I also <laughs> believed when I first heard him talk had to have been either Neil's father, who has dyed his hair, or Neil's brother. I love these sound effects because the machines have no image on them. Oh, yeah. It's even better when they pan across all the oxygen tanks and they're all empty. And none of them have any going pressure. <laughs> He's in critical condition. Unconscious. And it does not look good. so dramatic it does not look good and that's pretty much where we're at and everything about this hospital scene is for shit from the machines that aren't lit up to the random you know vio or sony laptop that's on top of some sort of rented equipment to the empty tanks to the fact that he has two ivs which i've had a few surgeries never have i had two ivs i've always had one and even you better, sure? you haven't you haven't had multiple uh, multiple drips hooked up at the same time. I, I guess I, arms. I guess I haven't. <laughs> I mean, two saline drips, you got to be extra hydrated. And well, honestly, for that many saline drips, he should have a catheter because otherwise he'd be peeing the entire time. And he clearly doesn't when he gets up and walks out. But on top of that, he also has that little oxygen tube for the nose, but it's over the bandages, as is his the phantom over of the. Yeah, the Phantom of the Opera style bandages. Yeah, the Phantom of the Opera style bandages, which I also love when he has the accident in the beginning and the EMTs are putting him on the gurney and they pick his head up to put the oxygen mask over a head trauma that they're going to put an <laughs> elastic band around it. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, man. But yes, him in the hospital getting up and miraculously leaving is uh, the first time since... Double down, we are treated to Neil Breen ass in all of its glory as he's walking into the clearly green screened hallway 
astute viewers will realize that the carpet in the hospital also is the same carpet that is in his house. Weird, right? No, but the, that hospital room, that hospital room, I'm pretty sure you can see the outside of uh, Neil Breen's front yard. I'm fairly certain in some of the shots. I'm certain that when the wind blows and the blinds start moving around, yes, you can. So, yeah, so he, uh, <laughs> jeez. I think I just want to call out another favorite character is the bandage itself. <laughs> As he's taking a sensual shower with it, just bleeding, and he's oozing so, so much, much blood. blood. It's like it's like the scene from Carrie in the showers. There's so much blood. Yeah. Now he's got a whole bottle of corn syrup coming down his arm there. It's like, if you were losing that much blood that quickly, you are not standing in a shower. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh, man. Any other uh, characters you want to call out before we uh, move on here? Well, I think we got to talk about the psychologist. They're, uh, Which they're one? Too. Ooh. Um, well. The one who's trying to I, medicate him or the one who's trying to open his mind? I, mean, I love the guy who just keeps trying to push drugs on him like he's uh, some sort of drug dealer. But uh, the, the, the old lady's really great, too, because uh, for some reason, she's not real. Yeah, that's right. She's Let's just a this. ghost that appears and disappears for no reason. <laughs> I do love Dr. David S. Lee, who wears his glasses lower than any other human being in the history of glasses. Uh, I, I, I watch them like I'm watching, you know, people doing a trapeze act when you're like, oh my God, please don't fall. Because those glasses are right on the, the edge of the nose, ready to fall at any minute in any scene. And knowing Breen, he would leave that in the movie because I'm pretty sure everything is the first take. But let's see, <laughs> this gentleman with his, uh, his profound abilities as a psychoanalyst. Are you really writing a book? Or is it something else? Mm. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. What's so, great, what's so great about those scenes is that it is clearly just the conference room at neil's office because yes. i don't know i don't know why anyone would ever have a psycho uh psychoanalyst uh set up without a couch and a chair or uh some friendly office this is like a conference room with way too many chairs we well, you know what he slammed together <laughs> and they sit on opposite side of the table it's like putin when he does one of his meetings and he has it in that like giant batman like table where he'll have a dignitary sit on the exact opposite side as a power right. play and if, do you think putin makes people walk up the random ornate staircase and then do the full lap over <laughs> and over and over again that clearly neil was doing when they shot that oh yes yes absolutely you know when you get to the top there's a sign saying the doctor is downstairs and you have to go back down <laughs> Oh man. And I don't know if you noticed the uh the office building that he gets hit the by the car in front of. It's the you know, same where, one where, where from he, before. From is, I am here. Now. I am here now. I know. Yeah. I was looking at that and noticing how the little palm tree in the flower bed had grown about two or three feet. It was really oh, sprouting wow. compared to before. Which I, I do love the fact that he's walking out of that business office park area and he's crossing the street where there's clearly no crosswalk. <laughs> it's yeah, just... absolutely. And he's by himself, and then when he gets hit, there's just a bunch of other people suddenly who are also uh -huh. crossing the street. Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, I know we're, we're talking about this movie in kind of a roundabout, weird, not linear way. And no, no, really that's... The way this movie is. That's there, there, is, 
well, we're going to try to get to that next in the story, but there, the linear, I don't know what the fuck the linear story is. I, I just want to play this because it's just one of my favorite trailer moments. He isn't writing another novel. He's writing about government secrets. Is there anything else you can tell me about uh, Dylan's research? I only wanted to connect that because, yet again, Breen has showed himself to be a master of suddenly throwing us into flashback with no warning. <laughs> yes. Because as, as Dylan's sitting there talking to this psychologist, he uh, wonders how did he know what he's doing? Or why is he suspicious? And then we're treated to the sudden flash of Emily stoned off her mind on pills or Moscato or whatever the fuck she's drinking, talking to the doctor. Um, so anyway. So, yes, you're right. This is Roundabout. Let's try to talk about the story here. So because you are our resident specialist in Breenism, Richard, would you care to elucidate the audience on what the story is? Sure, I'll give it a shot. Oh, great. Uh, uh, you... You're going to do better this than is, I would have. I think this is Neil Breen's kind of uh, take on a fantasy movie with a you know political thriller mixed in as well. Um, really, it all comes down to the black cube that uh, the, that his character Dylan and uh, the the other girl uh, I forget her name. I'm blanking right now. Oh, the very first one, uh, Leia. Leia, yes. So his true love, Leia. Uh, so Dylan and Leia find this black cube in the forest, uh, and then they're separated. Uh, her dad, I believe, gets a job somewhere else that's really clunkily explained away. And then uh, we cut forward to, I don't know, 35, 40 years later. And, <laughs> Whatever uh, is appropriate for Breen to look the way he does. Yeah, I mean, it looks like he's 50 years older, but I'm sure his character's only 30 years older. Who knows? But um, so then he's like, he's walking out of an office and he gets hit by a car. And clearly someone's trying to steal the cube, but Neil in his... Uh, stupor on the ground there's able to grab it and the cube gives him the powers to heal himself uh and then also to hack government secrets uh all the while he has a failing marriage his best friend has a failing marriage uh he ends up finding leia again falling in love with her conveniently his wife overdoses on pills and dies uh there is a man in black shoes who comes into his bedroom and does things um <laughs> The daughter of his best friend tries to seduce him. Uh, his book, uh, his book dealer, his bookseller is trying to get him to write another book, and he keeps saying that he will not do that. Instead, he's using the money to to hack uh, companies, which he then releases to the public to great acclaim. And then a bunch of politicians and corporate people kill themselves. Are you referencing perhaps this beautiful bit of? <sighs> This is fucking Shakespearean all the way around. Hello. <laughs> I'm working. I'm very busy. What deadline? No, I'm not. You know what? After giving it some thought, I am not going to sign the book deal with you. No, I'm not signing the contract. I'm under no obligation to sign with you. None. 
You never gave me a retainer. I never asked for one. I am not obliged to sign any contract with you. I don't owe you any book. No book. That first book made a fortune for you. And I don't owe you anything. I, in fact, I'm not going to give you the next book. That's it. Don't call here anymore. No more damn books. No more books. Uh, that's what I said this weekend after moving. <laughs> I... I know this is treading into the WTF territory, but it's kind of hard not to with anything in this movie. I love how never in any movies that I can recall so far of Breen's does a phone ring. People just pick That's right. Up. They just know. There's no vibration sounds. They just know. And it's funny because he clearly has sound effects he can use, as we remember from the screaming man in I Am Here Now to the sound of the weird ghost fart that crosses across the screen every once in a while in this movie. So there are sound effects. I just don't know why he doesn't use them. But yes. I, you know, it's very hard to source a, a phone, a cell phone ringing or a phone ringing. It's, it's true. It's to, impossible. To, to get it true. Totally impossible. So you covered the story pretty well. That's about as much sense as it makes, I guess. Do you yeah, feel that it's a cohesive had... narrative or? <laughs> I mean, the only thing I left out was when his friend killed himself. But the... Aha, it was a murder. <laughs> That's right. A murder most foul. A murder most foul, sir. <laughs> but um, there's so much in this movie. Uh, yeah, I think I covered it. It. I know it's such such a weird. It's the story makes literally the barest amount of sense. Uh, but yeah, it there's there's one there, and it's actually a it's a super fun thrill ride. Oh yes, it it <laughs> makes me feel like this. You cannot come here again. But I thought you liked when I came here. No, I don't like it. You've got to go. Go now. You cannot come here. The police are at my house talking to my mom about my dad's death. You know he didn't kill himself. She shot him. She killed him. I saw her. What? Dun dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> Every beat is like that. Wait, what? No. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Oh, man. So if you want to talk about scene construction, this this this, this film has the perfect brain scene constructed. Please, uh, please uh, go on. Um, it, it's going to be my what the fuck moment, but... Uh, <laughs> So if you want to edit this around, I don't know. No, we're just going to, we're, we, we're finished with the story now. It's literally always like the two minute section of these episodes. Let's just get to the fun shit. So please talk about yeah, the scene construction. Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. It, and it's that dinner scene. That is the <laughs> peak brain scene construction. Yes. Uh, so we start off, uh, they're having dinner and there's absolutely nothing on the plates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no one's cooking anything. They're just sitting around a table with uh play settings and that's it i don't even think the guy's got a beer in his bottle i don't think i'm talking about jim here yes uh, I, I don't he only think, has some uh, water in there to spill that's about it yeah i believe there's some wine in the bottle in the wine bottle but the, they like pour it but they don't drink it right uh and then they're just having this random conversation about uh 
But what are they? What is the beginning of that conversation? It's oh, they're talking about him being sick and being healed, and he's like, "Yeah, I feel great now." Oh, that's how it starts, right? Do you mean? You gotta, <laughs> do you perhaps mean this bit right here? I'm so glad you could all come for dinner. We're glad to visit. I want you to try this new wine. I'd love to try your wine. <laughs> Great library. I still can't believe you're up and around so fast. That is amazing. When you were in the hospital, you were really bad shape. Comatose. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's what's happening there. So continue, Richard, please. Well, then um, I believe someone says, oh, dinner will be ready soon. That expl at least they explained away the empty plates, right? Although clearly no one's making it, so it's not happening. But they do have raw bread on a plate. <laughs> Is there at least raw bread on a plate? Okay. It's like that's their dinner rolls. It's literally just sliced bread <laughs> sitting on a plate. And then um, at one point, the daughter chimes in about a book report. Oh, yeah. Neil has. Oh, do you have the clip for this? The, oh, the, I the sure do. The Leo's line read is just a hundred percent. This is like phenomenal. Oh, I yeah. Wait to hear I'm hungry. I can't wait for dinner. It seems like <laughs> it never happened. I've got great family genes. Okay, sorry. That's the wrong one. But I'm still in pain. Can I have some wine, please? Jim. That's Jim. How's school? <laughs> oh, here she is. Almost done. But I have this really interesting project about elephants in Africa. I'm sure Dylan doesn't want to hear about that now. I want to hear about our project. <laughs> <laughs> My God, the conviction. It's so, and again, I love that there's the reuse of shots again in this movie. When he's sitting at the table, and there's one shot where he kind of looks off to the left and he gives us like little like shit eating smirk a bit, and they reuse oh, that, that shot smile. a few times in this oh. scene. Yes, that the that smile is so good. Yeah, I, I tell you what, it immediately sends my pants into unzip. So he's the power <laughs> of his of his gaze is beyond compare. And then I believe now the next line, or not maybe not the very next line, but very close. The uh, daughter then asks to be excused very quickly, even though she's hungry. Yes, she just wants to leave immediately. Yeah, and she's, then uh, she needs to get the fuck out. Yeah, and then Neil is like, "I don't feel well. Goodbye." <laughs> and then next thing you know, <laughs> he's just sitting there writing the scene, and he it's the scene, and then he's just he's typing with only his middle fingers and he only types for like, you know, five or six keystrokes. And then he talks to himself for a while. I'm going to continue hacking into these government systems to see what I can find out about all this national and international corruption. I know is going on <laughs> about all this national. So I want it to be known that this is a WTF for me. 
30 minutes. It took 30 minutes of us watching this to hear him talk about being a hacker. It is not really discussed again until his wife brings it up at about an hour and three minutes. And then he finally brings it up himself uh, when he's meeting with the psychiatrist, I believe it is. Oh, no, sorry. It's not the psychiatrist. It's it's after that when he's meeting with his love, Leia, and he's eating the plate full of undressed raw spinach. (laughs) And then he (laughs) opens up and confesses to her what he's doing. And that's when he he does this. All this time, I haven't been working on my next book. I've hacked into the most secret government and corporate secrets. The most secret. I just want to say, right after, in that pause between his lines, there's a reaction shot of Leia looking at him. Her face is all of our faces throughout this entire movie. It is this complete look of befuddlement. (laughs) Absolutely. So wonderful. But, you know, I will say this about the other actors. Um, I really get Neil's voice through their performances. (laughs) For me, I feel like they're all doing Neil Breen. Yes. It's amazing. It's like, especially uh, uh, his wife. That character, I just like, is the female Breen. Oh, The first half of the movie, for me, is my favorite part of it. Oh, fantastic. I mean, she really comes into her own, I mean, from the very beginning when she is on the phone and he gets into the accident and she is just sitting in the kitchen because this is how cell phone conversations go. Dylan, what's going on? Talk to me. Dylan! What's going on? And then it just keeps going and going. Of course, I just had to call out the uh, random shot of, um, I wonder if it's one of the other actresses getting out of the Rolls Royce with the uber short skirt. Oh, yeah. That's like one of the main villains of the movie who we never see again. That's right. She hit him and tries to steal the cube. And uh, that's about, that's the only time we we see that. And it's never brought up again. You know, you always want to give your main character a conflict. So when he instantly just grabs the cube and you're that's drama right there it's, oh you know, absolutely completely, it it, it completely it's any sort of dramatic sense yeah it's 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 uh it's it's a total disaster <laughs> <laughs> but at least we have the fart ghost that wispy wind of just a yeah the uh the the smoke monster from lost yes that's that's the one <laughs> wow wow there's a lot going on. I, I, I also wonder if in the inv- intervening years from I Am Here Now to Faithful Findings, if Breen got friendly with a high-end luxury vehicle rental guy because yeah. he's busting out the Rolls Royce. He's got the Ferrari. <laughs> it's a really nice Ferrari, too. It's a very nice Ferrari. Yeah, it's... There's there's so many things. There's you know Breen not knowing how to drink a cup of coffee. He's just so tired. He he collapses oh God, and then tries that. to bring it to his mouth, but then just takes a, a face bath and coffee. The, uh, the 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 multiple laptops that are getting destroyed 
that are never on, but they're all getting destroyed. He has numerous laptops open, never on, yet he always types on only one. And that's it. That's right. That's right. That's his favorite I, hacking one. Of course. <laughs> well, the others are probably running algorithms, right? I want we'll to... We'll never know. We'll never know because he copied it and then just released it and we'll never see it because the world's changed. <laughs> I just need to hear. There's so many things in this I need to hear. I need to hear this um, Neil Breen's version of uh, the show Intervention. I need something stronger. I need a stronger education. It's a crutch. Get off the pills. Straighten your life out. <laughs> it's crutch. <laughs> Man, Neil really does have a black and white view of the world, doesn't he? He does. His, uh, yeah, his, I tell you what, his moral compass is absolutely binary. There's no shades of gray here. <laughs> Which is interesting because I think he, he actually might be the villain of this movie. Oh, interesting. I, I he is terrible to his wife. He is. You know, she has a she has a pill problem and he immediately just dismisses her and and shits on her and it's just like, dude, your wife needs some help. She's crying out for help and you're just like, it's a crutch. <laughs> I mean, she went as far as to reach into the toilet to get out pills. Yeah, she's she's desperate for drugs because she thinks her husband's having an affair, which she eventually does do. Yeah, so she's not wrong. He's gaslighting her the whole fucking time, essentially. There's nobody else. Oh, wait. Hey. And then he goes, he's, he's hacking all these, these corporate secrets that he that ends up leading to all these people killing themselves while the crowds cheer him. That's like, that's an autocrat right there. What <laughs> He is the villain of this movie. I don't think he realizes it, but he's a pretty bad dude. So do you think that that is the fateful finding? Or, you know, it can't just be fatefully finding the magical trinkets in the woods, nor could it be fatefully finding Leah after all these years. But perhaps it's finding out that the evil is within. And that's why he goes into the black trash bag room. I mean, he I, he is absolutely the unintentional villain of this movie because, you know, he would never play a villain. Of course not. No, he's always the good guy. And but in, this, I, in this warped reality, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I need to revisit something that I noticed in this movie that is, it, it's a throwback to I Am Here Now in a magical moment. Again, there was one section, one moment in this film that was genuine. And when you see these genuine moments, it stands out like a giant elephant dancing in your living room. And it's actually right after his chastising his wife for her drug issues. So she comes into his office and they're suddenly fine. So he gets up and he gives her a hug and they starts knocking all of his shit off the desk. And then he starts throwing paper in the air because why not? It's fun. And then she starts to rip his shirt and she's laughing. And Neil is actually laughing. He's not acting. He is genuinely having fun, and it's like two kids just playing around. He starts to rip her shirt a little bit, then they hug, then she rips more of his shirt, and he throws paper up. And here's how you can tell when Neil's being real. He gets these crazy eyes, and he smiles bigger than he's ever done, where it's like he looks like some sort of Dr. Seussian character with this like row of teeth like hanging over his lips. And it's it's such an interesting thing to watch happen, 
Because then he instantly remembers, oh, we're in a scene, and then he goes back to Breen. It's just so weird how that happens, but it's it's a little moment of of fresh air in this this yeah it's it's tough to find those moments in his performances because he's usually so focused in the in the in the character obviously oh, dude he's he's elbow deep into the depths of the character yes which i think is also funny because that reminds me that um every single uh sex scene that neil breen shoots uh basically follows the same formula which is you have uh characters uh, looking at each other and maybe a hug and then it's just clothes falling to the floor yes oh, that was scene. my favorite it's just the shirt falls down and it's always flap flap yes flap, flap. <laughs> it's wonderful <laughs> and then it all charges towards this wonderful you know intense finale of him delivering a speech in front of i forgive me if this is an actual recognizable government building because I couldn't recognize it. I think it's just a stock photo of some, like, fucking... I don't know. It doesn't look like anything in D.C., I don't think. Do you? Am I just 100% dense? I have, I don't know where that's from. I have no um, idea, but, but yeah. it, you know, it's very traditional in, like, you know, the, the Greek-Roman-style design, Corinthian pillars and all that shit. And he's issuing this giant press conference, and then <laughs> the same background's used, whether he's speaking or the people he's speaking to... <laughs> are there which is great and then again they all start shooting themselves or hanging themselves because they realize the wrongs that they have done such as uh this guy i'm afraid of going to prison they now know my crimes i am resigning today <laughs> as your senator the people who elected me deserve someone who cares about them and the country. <laughs> I, I don't want to ruin the rest. You need to see the movie to get the full full scope of it. <laughs> but it's pretty incredible. Oh, that seems incredible. There's, there's a lot of what the fuck happening. It's just, I, again, this is, I would say, I would actually argue, I feel that this is a hair more subversive and down into the depths of Breenism than I am here now, only because I am here now felt like there was some roads we took side to side, but because there was a smaller general like core cast, you know, we only took a couple little detours and then we get to the, to the, to the end, you know, Jesus goes back to his spaceship and leaves here. The world just feels so much bigger. There's more people. There's more gnarly roads that go down. You got to see what's happening with Jim. You got to see what's happening with, with Emily. Everybody. So, I don't know. I feel like this is just a little bit crazier. Just a little bit crazier. But how do you feel on the subversive spectrum? Like, let's let's talk about that. Let's get let's figure out how subversive this particular masterpiece is. Well, I mean, I, like I said, I was going to give them all ten out of ten. So I'm going to do that as well here. But uh, I well, think, we can. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, he's a he's a straight up ten. <laughs> but I agree with you. I think his world building in this uh, is probably his best. Um, he's got the best ensemble uh, in this film, and uh, somehow they're all able to to speak with his voice, even though they're all different characters. They all just have that that brain magic, and it it really all comes together in this one. I I. Of all of them, this one's probably my favorite as well. This is the first one I saw, actually. Yes. I think you and I saw this together. We at did. The, at the New Art. 
This yeah. is the first. This is our introduction to Breen, and it was just like mind blowing when we it, saw this. Yeah. It, it's it's essentially like your introduction to drugs is peyote, and then after that, you just try different things, and you might get some of the similar effects when you pop some shrooms or do acid or whatever, but you're never gonna have the balls in your throat trip that you did with the first one, and that's fateful findings. Totally agree. This is a this is a ten out of ten subversive film. That's right. So you need to see it. Ow, that's the important question. Where do you see this? Well, Neil's locked this shit down pretty good. So you can get this one on Amazon Prime. You can also get it on Apple iTunes, their store, or if you are looking around enough, you can find it on DVD somewhere. So check it out. You will not be disappointed. I have to give a big shout out and thank you to Richard for coming back out and doing this with me again. We uh, can't wait to get you back here so we can look at Breen's very first work, Double Down, before we dig into uh, his his more recent pieces. So That's right, everyone. Get your tuna ready. Yes, right. There is a lot, a lot of tuna in that one. So come on back. Make sure you check it out. If uh, if you have any thoughts or anything you'd like to share, make sure you go and check us out on Instagram or shoot me an email directly, subversivecinemashow at gmail.com. Or if you have a movie you'd like to see or hear about on the show, let me know. Hey, maybe you can come and talk about it with me. So until then, I want to thank you again, Richard, for coming out. Thanks for having me. It's been a magical day. Stay subversive, y'all. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out, too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.